Hello, my magical friends. My name is Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 44th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. It's Creator Week, and I'm really excited to share with you both of the creators that we talked to. So, of course, that means that we are going to go right into the topic. No news and no notes about what I've been watching, though. There's going to be a lot of that coming next Tuesday. I don't tend to generally make connections between the creators that I choose. I think that also in general, just because we're talking to magical girl creators, there are often a lot of things in common there. But today we are going to be talking to Kagura, the creator of the webtoon Star Rangers Magical Space Cadet Squad. So Kagura is a Japanese American based in the US and they have a very interesting trajectory as well. As always, you can read the comic before listening to the podcast if you like, but we don't really touch on anything I would say is spoilery in our discussion. Perhaps hearing from Kagura themselves will help you get into the spirit of things. I fell in love with the comic from the moment I first laid eyes on it. There's something so soft and also nostalgic about their art style, and I found myself sucked in right away. Considering actually something we did not talk about in the actual chat that I did not realize until I think maybe the last chapter or two is that this story is actually set in the 90s. And so that actually explains a lot of different aspects of the series. But yeah, that is something that I think will also help with understanding who might enjoy the series. And I think in particular, it's going to be something that a lot of millennials enjoy. I really, really enjoyed this comic, and I'm still reading it and catching up every time there's an update. There's still a lot of mystery. It's still very early on in the story as well, so I think it's very easy to catch up on. So if you are a Webtoon user, I recommend it. We did talk a lot about the troubles of making money through webcomics, and I really, really hope that you consider donating to Kagura's Kofi if you enjoy the comic. So yeah, I was really happy to talk to them about Star Rangers, and I hope you enjoyed this discussion with them about the series. Okay, so today we are here on the podcast to talk with another creator for Star Rangers Magical Space Cadet Squad, and I'm very excited to talk to this creator today. Can you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Kagura. My pronouns are they and them, and I live in America, and I've been working on Star Rangers for a really long time now. Great. Can I ask where in the U.S. you live? I live in Texas. Oh, awesome. So before we start talking about uh, Star Rangers itself, can you please tell us your history with the magical girl genre? Just like everyone else, my first magical girl anime was Sailor Moon. (laughs) And um, Mm -hmm. it's funny because like I used to watch it when it was like the English dub version back in the 90s. But for some reason on TV back then, there was like this Channel 20 that would show just random anime opening and ending songs and they would show like a lot of the magical girl and mecha basically just anything and i saw like a lot of the magical girl endings and opening songs like every saturday because of it Hmm. and it kind of introduced me into more of them i didn't know what any of them were called though because it was all in japanese but it made me like try copying the names down yeah as best as I could you know as like a (laughs) (laughs) six-year-old sure and like this was like a really 90s thing back then where they would have like really obscure stores in like the malls or comic stores and they would have like really expensive imported stuff sometimes but then they would have like laser discs for like 20 dollars for some reason Hmm. it was kind of strange but 
we didn't have a laser disc player, so I couldn't get any of them. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> they were already but, outdated by the nineties, I think. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know why they were selling them. Mm-hmm. But there was this one comic store that did have like lots of imported stuff, along with they would sell fan sub anime mm-hmm. and. They also had, like, I guess stuff that was brought here legally. Mm-hmm. And that's basically how I kind of got into more Magical Girl stuff, like Pretty Sammy, Cardcaptor Sakura. I know I saw, like, Saint Tail. Mm. Just, like, a really lot of old Magical Girl stuff. Mm-hmm. But I guess I kind of sort of distanced myself a little bit from it as I got older because it was kind of hard to relate to a lot of the characters mm. because it was so heteronormative (laughs) yeah sure i'd be like i really love this character but she's so obsessed with guys like (laughs) it's kind of hard to like constantly watch it when that's all she talks about (laughs) Mm. and i think for especially like thinking about for example the sailor moon english dub they really played that up a lot Mm -hmm. yeah i still love sailor mars and jupiter a lot but Mm -hmm. i kind of was always just like oh they're so obsessed with guys it's kind of (laughs) kind of (laughs) yeah yeah it's interesting especially those two characters um well jupiter yeah like has a very interesting balance of masculine and feminine traits but sailor mars is like super not interested in guys in the Japanese version mm-hmm. so it's very interesting that they made that change in English yeah in the manga she wasn't really that much into guys was she yeah I know they did that in Crystal but I guess that's kind of my gateway into it mm-hmm. so you strayed away from Magical Girls for a while for a very understandable reason so what kind of got you back into Magical Girls and like inspired you to start making a magical girl series madoka kind of brought me back into it okay i see mostly because of you know like homura and madoka i guess not canonically being a thing but there was something there Mm -hmm. in a lot of older magical girl anime they would just kind of be like oh that's her best friend Mm. but never do anything with it yeah but at least in madoka they kind of i know it wasn't like for representation or anything but it kind of at least got my attention and back into it yeah definitely that's valid did you like watch it when it first came out Mm -hmm. like i would watch it where it was like being aired in japan like every week Mm -hmm. it was actually one of my favorite series at the time i know some people say this and it's kind of i guess obnoxious to say but it was a little different than most magical girls at the time so mm-hmm. i thought it was like like oh wow this is really different from the usual that like exists already mm-hmm. but now it's kind of not that um unique anymore yeah it's kind of complicated i think the main thing is really in the marketing mm-hmm. if that makes sense because like the way that it was marketed you wouldn't know that it was a dark series it's kind of easy to forget now but right i mean even now i think if people haven't watched the series they might not necessarily realize it from its marketing for sure Mm -hmm. and i mean like obviously a lot of the things that happened in that series are kind of reflecting on other things that have happened in past magical girl series because they have been very dark um (laughs) yeah I think it's yeah, just like the presentation was different and it's caught the attention of a lot of people who didn't really watch a lot of magical girls like that weren't familiar mm-hmm. with every single one if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. yeah. I guess to me it, it was sort of unique for its time cuz like I said I didn't watch that many after a while cuz mm-hmm. I kind of distanced myself from it so yeah. Yeah. I guess it was kind of new to what I was used to. Yeah, that makes sense. Like the magical girl genre is kind of similar to like Disney movies where if you watch older Disney movies, they're all very dark, but people forget that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, after that, I kind of just got it more, you know, into the genre again, because then there was like Little Witch Academia and and also like Kill a Kill. And those really sucked me in like almost more immediately Mm -hmm. 
especially I know it's like not a very light series but panty and stocking especially i really like that series (laughs) oh yeah it's great we talked about that series on the podcast a little while ago and there are some things that don't exactly hold up but it was very popular for a good reason (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it has its issues but it was just like wow this is a magical girl anime like Mm -hmm. i didn't think you could make something this different (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sure sure yeah it's um very unique for the genre or really any mm-hmm. cartoon <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it really is <laughs> yeah but that makes sense so yeah the, in the past uh 10 years or so a lot of the more recent series kind of got to your attention again mm-hmm. yeah so is there anything else that you watch that you think is important in terms of like influencing you or influencing star rangers or anything like that i kind of was really interested in some tokusatsu and tokusatsu themed stuff like gachaman mm-hmm. and a lot of the tatsunoko stuff mm-hmm. but um it's so hard to come across that stuff because it's not very popular <laughs> yeah definitely but yeah, I could definitely see the tokusatsu inspiration or influence in Star Rangers. <laughs> oh, that makes me happy. <laughs> Why don't we get right into that? So how did you get started with making Star Rangers? Well, first off, they weren't really magical girls at all. They were just a bunch of Pokemon OCs at first. <laughs> <laughs> wow. A very interesting. <laughs> I, yeah. Me and my friend, which was kind of like my co-writer for a while, we kind of just like messed with these characters and we're just like, oh, I kind of want to do something with them, but it's Pokemon, so we really can't. Mm -hmm. So then we kind of, we went through so many ways of trying to make it an original series, I guess. Like, Mm -hmm. we went through so many themes, like animal, we went through witches, we went through medieval, (laughs) we like tried to think of so many ways to just give it an original theme so that they could be something Mm -hmm. because she was really into magical girls like i guess we both were but this was back in like 2010 at least i guess Mm -hmm. so i was kind of getting back into it but she was far more of a magical girl fan Mm -hmm. so she was like yeah we should just make it a magical girl series and i was like well i guess if that's what you want but (laughs) Yeah, like, we went through so many themes, we just didn't know what to think of until one day I just got tired of trying to think of stuff, so I just started designing what, I guess, transformation forms would look like, and I was Mm -hmm. like, wow, they look cute with the star theme, so that's what we just went with, and it's been, like, a really big work in progress since, like, 2010. It wasn't until maybe... 2017 that I decided to finally try doing something Mm -hmm. which was just kind of writing it as like a novel I guess okay but I didn't know where to post it Mm. I kind of came in contact with like someone that I knew since I was like a kid and they tried to encourage me to like make it a comic Mm. but I I just didn't know how to make comics other than like when you draw notebook paper yeah (laughs) so I was just like I was like, I don't have a tablet. I don't know how to draw like an official comic. So all of 2018 was mostly just me trying to figure out how to do it as a traditional comic to make it as a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. I just struggled so much even trying to do it as a traditional comic because this guy I knew was kind of like an editor, I guess. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't a bad editor, but he was just very opinionated and kind of just made me feel like crap most of the time when working with him that's not good yeah like he was kind of nitpicky with my dialogue i would ask well what would be easy for you you know like page wise because there's like a specific page count you need for each comic Hmm. he was just like well it could be as long as you want it but it's just more work for me which kind of made me feel bad (laughs) that's interesting yeah, like, he'd be like, it could be 120-something pages, but that's just more work for me. And it's like, oh, well, I'm sorry, then? <laughs> like, I don't know what you want me to say. 
that's such a weird way to phrase it because like if he's getting paid to do it then obviously then that would just mean more pay i could understand if it's like pro bono or whatever like that could be i guess a little frustrating but it just seems very strange to be so worried about like how it affects just himself (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like that's not really the point of doing that kind of work but yeah because we were going to use the kickstarter to basically like pay for him and whatever money was left over would be like i guess split between me and him Mm -hmm. so like i kind of didn't really see the problem because he was going to get money anyway in the end but uh, eventually i settled with like 70 something pages then from there the kickstarter was just so tiring (laughs) (laughs) like i didn't do a lot of the graphic design work for the kickstarter Mm -hmm. but i had to do a lot of promoting for it and it was exhausting Hmm. just about every day i feel kind of sorry for doing it because like people are just online chilling and then they get a random dm from me being like hey oh this is my kickstarter can you like share it or something (laughs) yeah promotion is very difficult it just felt kind of awkward to me because i was not used to that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but surprisingly it was a success i was really shocked because you know it's something that i've been trying to make since i was like 20 Mm -hmm. 10 years ago so like it was just shocking to see like wow it hit its goal like that means it can actually be made into a comic now yeah that must have been very exciting it was and after basically the first kickstarter we were planning to do the second one but i kind of fell out of the friendship with those people and the tokusatsu people Mm-hmm. and I didn't really have anyone to help me with the comic because I did the first one traditionally mm-hmm. and it was all scanned so he was doing the cleanup the lettering and all that other stuff mm. but by this time which would be the second issue I had a tablet so I could do everything digitally Yeah, I just didn't know how to make the comic like I didn't know formatting how to do lettering graphic mm-hmm. design it was just like oh god I this is so much I don't know what to do mm-hmm. so eventually my friend came to me and was like hey you know when are you ever going to release the second issue and I was just like I'm sorry I just don't know when I don't have anyone to help me with it and yeah. they offered you know like well if you do a webcomic or something I can letter it for you and all that Mm-hmm. in 2020 that's when they offered the help and I was just like oh wow like I can actually finally continue the story mm, yeah I had lost so much hope after issue one because I didn't have any help and it was like do I even bother with this mm-hmm. it kind of felt like I guess no one cared too much because it was just issue one like no one knew much about the characters or anything to be like, hey, I want more of that. Right. So it kind of felt like, should I even bother? So I think if that friend didn't come and, you know, offer their help, I probably wouldn't be doing the webtoons right now. Right. So yeah, let's talk about that. How did you make the transition over to webtoon? Um, <laughs> it was really hard to figure out how to actually do it in webtoon format because the pages were so tiny <laughs> i know a lot of people do the really long like scrolling page like one scrolling page and then they just draw on it mm-hmm. i tried that but for some reason webtoons wasn't wanting to upload it or work with it or something hmm. so i just kind of like did the one individual page it was kind of hard going from traditional comic book panels and pages to just one or two a page because you're just so used to manga formats or like normal like western comics where it's just like five panels a page and you just look at them but this one it was just continuous scrolling so it's like how do i place all these panels so it 
has an impact like it would traditionally or like in a normal comic. Yeah. A lot of artists are kind of struggling with that transition because webtoons are so popular right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really works. Like, I was not aware of the Kickstarter at all. I found out about your comic through the webtoon and started reading it. And I really enjoy the way that uh, it kind of works together. Like, it definitely is still very much in a lot of ways like a traditional comic, but the episodes kind of make sense and continue on to the next one and so on. So it really, it works well, I think. Yeah. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I try so hard to make each episode like not boring like Mm -hmm. do I have enough information to make it interesting how do I end it so that it's like I want more but it's a satisfying Mm. ending of an episode yeah that makes sense for anyone who has not read Star Rangers yet um, what would you say the story is basically about typical synopsis I use is that Aries just a you know average normal girl She doesn't really think much about herself. And one day she ends up helping her friend who she thinks is getting attacked by someone. And from there she gains her powers, which basically leads into this domino effect of she meets other magical girls and boys, people basically, and she starts fighting monsters and is just like, oh God, like, I feel like I'm the wrong person in the wrong place. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very, very expansive universe of magical people, for sure. It's like a worldwide mm-hmm. phenomenon. So I find that kind of aspect very interesting, for sure. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think what's really fun about some Magical Girl series, and again, I think this also kind of goes into the like tokusatsu idea of it, where there's like this kind of set, mm. almost like a uniform idea to how they all look but of course there are a lot of unique things and you even cover like how there are even like cadets with the same name in different places Uh, yeah yeah (laughs) so it's it's a very interesting uh universe for them yeah like i came up with that because it's kind of like you know there's only so many colors and things you could like call yourself Mm mm-hmm there's bound to be like a ton of different like red superheroes or magical girls Hmm. and then like you're like oh yeah i saw the red one well which red one (laughs) like you know the red one i don't know there's like 10 of them (laughs) yeah yeah exactly that part was very um interesting that you kind of covered that but like it's a very interesting universe also because like it's something where fans of the series could easily try to create their own character in the universe and it would make perfect sense you know right that's also kind of why i did it because one friend was like oh i want to make a star rangers oc eventually like you know when i get to know the universe more and i'm like oh yeah that would be cool and they were just like but what would i name them like what are all the names that you already have and i kind of thought about it and was like you know it is bound to happen that multiple people just might have the same names because there's just a limited amount of colors or themes of things yeah a lot of magical girls have so many fans that they have like fan characters and so on so like for example for sailor moon there are probably a million different fan characters named like sailor sun or something like that (laughs) (laughs) yeah Or the iconic Sailor Earth that everyone talks about. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and then, like, another one would be, like, uh, Tokyo Mew Mew. Everyone is a, a, a different food, so there are only so many foods in the right. world, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of stuff like that. There's only so many names you could use, and then you can't really be like, hey, I'm the pink one, and it's like, no, I'm the pink one. Like. <laughs> It's just bound to happen. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that part is very interesting. The main character of Eddie is very interesting because she is kind of jumping into the world a little late. So she's kind of unique Mm -hmm. for her situation. And she's uh, learning piece by piece about the whole system and everything. And yeah, it's very, very interesting. I'm guessing there are going to be other characters that become magical people eventually that we haven't seen yet but i'm not sure yes there will definitely be more she gets her own 
kind of group, I guess, eventually. Mm-hmm. Great, great. And I love her. Her friends and schoolmates are all very interesting. Um. <laughs> yes, everyone loves Priyanka so much. <laughs> yeah, she's so cute. And she's a very relatable character, I think. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> She's that one person that's like, oh, God, what I would give to be a magical character. And everyone's just like, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're going to really want to throw yourself out there? And she's like, why not? Yeah. Yeah. She's she's very cute. She's also a very uh, fun, supportive friend and everything. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She definitely wishes Ari had... Um, more confidence and wasn't so I wouldn't say timid but lacking in confidence and always anxious <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mostly because you know she feels like if she was in her situation it would just be like well there's nothing to be scared of if you have you know superpowers like what's there to be scared of like what can stop you? <laughs> yeah yeah I feel that way like I mean, that makes sense. Like, so many fans of Magical Girls imagine, oh, what would life be like for me if I was a Magical Girl? Oh, I know I would do X, Y, Z. Right. Yeah, so it makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, in terms of the, the webtoon, when did you start putting out the webtoon? Uh, I actually started this year on... I'm pretty sure it was January 1st, actually. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I think I pretty much started at the beginning of the year. And I took like a break back in, I think, March or April, just because it got kind of a little exhausting because I I did have some episodes like drawn already. So Mm -hmm. I could just upload them each week. It eventually caught up to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was just like, oh God, I'm drawing like 70 pages a week. This is so exhausting. Mm. I just need a break from this for at least like a month. <laughs> right. This month I haven't uploaded too much just because I was doing tons of like pride art. But yeah, that was fun to see on uh, Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to start once the pride art is done so Mm -hmm. the next episode should be up probably in like a week or two hopefully oh okay so that's actually another thing that i think is very great about your series is from what i understand basically almost every character is somewhere on the lgbtq spectrum yeah yeah so that that's great because it's very explicit (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm pretty sure there's only two or three straight characters Mm. (laughs) so those are the only ones i didn't show during pride month because they're straight yeah (laughs) but literally everyone else i have shown basically the whole cast or if i haven't shown anyone it's because it's not far enough in the series yet i guess Mm -hmm. to draw them to show them Mm, that makes sense it's kind of nice to see, again, like you said about Madoka, like there's a lot of subtext in Magical Girl series. Mm-hmm. So it's really great to see a story where it's very much like actual text and everyone knows. Uh, it's it just like so uh, normalized in a way that's very refreshing. I think it's one of those things where if you are such a person, then it feels very normal, I think, because it's like. We usually Mm -hmm. have, like, a lot of friends who are also somewhere in the spectrum and, like, groups and stuff, either it's, like, online or at school or whatever, depending on your space, like, where you can go. Right. It's so normal to just have, like, a whole bunch of friends who are also not straight. Right. Yeah. Like, in real life, I don't really have that many LGBT friends. Like, I have a few, Mm -hmm. but not, like, too many but I'm not really the type of person who goes out a lot anyway. (laughs) Very understandable. (laughs) It doesn't really, like, you know, I I don't really have that many friends in, in, like, real life. But online, I I have trans friends, I have bisexual friends, and everyone on the spectrum. And, and, you know, I only have, like, one straight friend online. (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. I'm a little bit luckier. Like I grew up in New York, so I was out by high school. So I was always able Mm -hmm. to find, well, high school was really like, I was the kind of center for people figuring out stuff about themselves just by like Mm -hmm. learning about stuff from me. But by college, I was in like clubs and stuff. So my whole friend group and everything, everyone was some manner of not straight (laughs) horses. and. Yeah. <laughs> but I definitely understand that that like is in itself a kind of privilege of my life situation. So, you know, not everyone is so lucky to have that. But luckily, we have the internet. So people can get more in touch with others these days. Yeah. 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 Nowadays, it's a, I would say it's a lot easier than compared to when I was growing up because Texas isn't like... <laughs> You know, it's one of those kinds of states. <laughs> yeah. And high school was so terrible. Middle school was even worse. I wasn't completely out. It was just like with certain people I was. Mm-hmm. I was basically in the closet for like ever. I still kind of am to, you know, my dad and some family. But mm. with most friends, they basically know. Right. Yeah, it's definitely a, a difficult situation to be in be sure yeah right that's kind of why with star rangers i wanted to show people or kids you know that like even if you don't feel confident in yourself that you can be out or you know like oh i don't have you know friends to be out to or Mm -hmm. you're scared that your family might find out that at least maybe this can help you see that it's it's not too bad sometimes. <laughs> yeah, like Eddie definitely has, she lacks confidence in being a magical girl, but she's very explicit about liking girls. That's not an issue for her. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's, she's, she never hides that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would you say that then that would be like your target audience for Star Rangers? Yeah, I would say so. You know, it's mostly for like, whether you're a kid or an adult that you're you know still dealing with your sexuality or gender um you don't have a lot of people you can be out to that maybe this could help you come to terms with it or it could be like an outlet a comfort you know Mm -hmm. something that you can just go to and see that like this is normal. Like, it's not as bad as everyone, you know, makes it out to be in real life. Yeah. I think that's really, that's really great. (laughs) You don't see a lot of um, LGBT characters, like, as the whole cast or that, like, they're just out and, like you said earlier, that's normalized where it's never really questioned that it's like, oh, they like girls. It's just like, oh, yeah, they like girls. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like very refreshing. Like again, having it be normalized, like for a lot of people, it already is normal, but not for everyone or they don't get to see that in their own reality. So I think that's very, Mm -hmm. it's very good to have that kind of representation for sure. Mm -hmm. I did want to ask one more thing about like the process of the webtoon itself in terms of the story, because it does feel like it's like starting at the beginning and it's definitely all the digital art style compared to what you Mm -hmm. did for the Kickstarter. So did you just Mm -hmm. basically start the story over and redraw those first parts of the story? Kind of, yeah. Like, I think up to episode maybe seven or six, maybe, Mm -hmm. that it's kind of the same, but just different stuff added to it that kind of made the story flow a little better Hmm. and I was able to add a lot of things that I really couldn't have or didn't know how to put in the traditional Kickstarter version yeah so it's basically the same thing just I added more things fixed them around Hmm. and there was just specifically like one or two chapters that were kind of new I guess to this version compared Mm -hmm. to the Kickstarter version that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah I was just wondering because it's like oh if you have this whole first like thing that you already did but it was all traditional and now you've moved to digital that has to 
be an interesting uh, shift in everything. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with the webtoon now, it feels like you're working on it all the time because like you're always drawing stuff either for the webtoon or like, you know, you said like on Instagram or whatever, you're doing all the pride flag stuff for June. But like, has this become like your job now or is it still like, uh, I guess, a hobby to do this comic? Uh, I would consider it a job. I'm just not getting paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but okay. It's basically a job. Mm. I wouldn't say it's a hobby because I really do want to get it out there. Like, mm. it would kind of be nice, I guess, to somehow get paid for it. But mm-hmm. I have a Kofi or whatever, but uh, yeah. I don't advertise it that much because sometimes I'm like, who's going to want to donate? <laughs> Oh, but that would be good, I think. I hesitated with it because, like, when I was selling it traditionally at, like, co- like at conventions, like, the book itself, a lot of people were just like, well, where can I read it for free? Hmm. Like, I kind of understand that, you know, you don't want to pay, like, $10 for a book that you don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like, well, I don't have anywhere for you to read it for free, so no one would read it. And it kind of put me in this weird, like, how do I get money? Like, the money's not important, but it's just... But you're still doing work making this comic, and it's very entertaining. You should be paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of gets exhausting towards, like, oh, God, like, I can't get, like, a non-art job if this is all I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if anyone will honestly ever care to pay like a friend said i could make a patreon and she's sure that like people would probably donate to it but Mm -hmm. i got told so many times at conventions like oh i'd rather read it for free that it's kind of like ugh, will people really pay it's very frustrating because on the one hand i understand people wanting to read stuff for free but usually if we're thinking about like the very big comics that are out there if they're reading them for free online, it's either through like a comic reading service or they are um, not reading them legally, right? So it's just like, right. it's a very frustrating part of not just comics, it's, it's also kind of applies to like TV shows and animation and movies and whatnot. There's this whole part of the market of people consuming stuff for free. And you know, if it was something like, a, I guess if it's like a big Hollywood movie, I don't personally really care if people are watching it illegally, if it's like they really cannot get it any other way, especially if it's like mm-hmm. an international situation, right? Like, it's like, well, I mm-hmm. know that those people who made that thing have already been paid for their work, right? So right. that's whatever. And like, and there's truly no way for the person to like pay money otherwise unless they're gonna pay like I don't know hundreds of dollars or something to try to get a copy Mm -hmm. internationally shipped to them or something like that but especially when it comes to indie comics it's so frustrating that this is like a major problem not just for you like even for comics that are like published through an official place for example in uh, Zodiac Star Force is one that is that was published through a comic publisher and I remember that one of the creators had posted on Twitter noticing that there is a website where someone put the whole comic up for free. And that comic has more views like on that website. Yeah, than the actual sales of the comic. Oh. And it's like you should be able to stop people from doing that stuff, obviously, because that should be illegal. But like it's very frustrating to see that happening all the time, even for those big comics. Because like yeah, if those people had taken the time to buy the comic instead, then we would have more of that series, probably, you know? Right. They uh, were cut short very early, uh, and there should have been a lot more. Yeah, it's just, like, very frustrating to see that happen all the time. I do agree with your friend that, like, Patreon is a good idea to have, just to have it out there. Mm-hmm. It's something that a lot of independent creators are using now, and I think it's great to have that option for sure i do think that like as the series gets more popular again you know it would be good to have a patreon even if it's like people donate like one dollar or five dollars or something like that you know Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, like you'd be surprised. Like there's a lot of things out there where people only put in $5 a month, but like they get enough people where that becomes a sustainable amount of, of extra money. Mm-hmm. That particular issue with creators is very, very frustrating. <laughs> and I'm really sorry that people said that to you because that is very disrespectful to the work that you did putting that together. Right. Because it is a lot of work to make comics. And unfortunately, I think because it's not as much work to read comics, people don't realize that. Oh, yeah, definitely. The digital one was, it took a while too, obviously, but mm-hmm. the traditional one felt like it took forever. Like, mm. I guess it's because I was trying to use like G pens and try to make it kind of fancy. But then I also didn't know how to do backgrounds that well at the time. So I was just like, uh, I'm mm. just going to draw this really crappy background quickly or leave this page blank or something because mm. it was so hard. <laughs> and yeah, every time people would tell me, you know, like, oh, I'd rather read it for free. It's kind of like, oh, that's nice. I guess, but it took me like Hmm. almost a year to draw this, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just very disrespectful to the time and effort put into making something like that. It's just very frustrating because that is definitely not the first time I've heard of something like that for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, now people can read it online for free, but they should definitely donate to you, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Either before or after they read it, like definitely... I think that most of listeners who like Magical Girls and want to read more Magical Girl comics will enjoy this series, especially if they also like Tokusatsu. So, you know, again, Webtoon makes it very easy to read and then subscribe and so on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've actually gotten a lot more, like, I think, attention on it now that it's on Webtoons. Like, before I had to rely Mm -hmm. on conventions, which that's kind of hard to do right now. Right. (laughs) Then, like... When I had it as physical form, there was no way to really, like, promote it, I guess, online, other than, like, hey, Mm -hmm. buy it here. But then it's, like, if no one knows what it's about or has an example of it, they're not going to want to buy it. So Mm -hmm. I kind of just was stuck with drawing, like, these little four comas Mm. that kind of helped people get interested. But I think people forgot it was a Magical Girl series because I didn't. Little comics were more slice of life, I guess. So mm-hmm. I guess it was kind of hard to balance everything until the webtoon came out. So it's kind of like, oh, now I can show both sides, like a slice of life part of it. And then people can see it's a magical girl series and they get both kind of for free and they can understand it better now. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier now. Yeah. But yeah, so you must be very busy. Like, how much time would you say like goes into making the series in one week or one month? Usually each page, if it has like a panel or two, depending on the details. If I do the screen tones, the coloring, the line art and everything in one on one page in one day, it takes mm-hmm. at least two hours maybe. And I try mm-hmm. to do at least like 10 to 15 pages a day. So yeah. Kind of a lot. <laughs> I see. Yeah. I wonder because like, obviously, if you, like you said, you don't get paid for it, which means you have to do other stuff, mm-hmm. right? You can't just focus on the comic. And if you could get paid for it, then, you know, you would be able to just focus on it. Right. Which is what I would hope for all creators. <laughs> right. Yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> mm. This is your first comic, your first like series. Mm-hmm. you know started off as something completely different from what it is now but are you interested in doing other stuff that is not magical girls um yeah i actually have like a couple of stories i would want to do that one's more of like a kind of slice of life still lgbt type story and then there's another one that i do want to do that's kind of horror-ish I guess like a zombie apocalypse type comic fun okay there's one comic I might start doing with a friend he had the comic before and I was doing the art for it it was like a little Instagram comic he'd do of a kind of like a tokusatsu character called Gaio he basically was like this guy who would do 
odd jobs, but he was like a tokusatsu hero. But he's just like a terrible hero. <laughs> and no one really cares about him compared to like all these other heroes. So he's just stuck doing odd jobs usually. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he was doing that comic before, but then he stopped. But now he wants to do it again. So I might start doing that again with him. So hmm. just probably those three things I would want to do eventually. Yeah, that sounds interesting. That would mean, I guess, hopefully that you can get more uh, popularity out there for this series and like continue to get more readers and so on. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to share about the story or uh, anything like that? I don't think there is. Hmm. (laughs) I mean, we kind of talked so generally about like representation and also like the process and everything. I just wanted to like kind of maybe think more about the actual story itself. Like, for example, if you want to talk about any of the other uh, major characters or Eddie's family, because that's very interesting. It's like a whole magical family. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, people seem to really like them a lot. <laughs> yeah. I didn't expect that, but, you know, I guess there aren't really that many uh, magical girls that are adults like her mom so Mm -hmm. her mom's kind of a fan favorite it looks like (laughs) yeah yeah marie is really cool i think (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah a lot of people really like her and she'll definitely come out a lot more it's just like since it's the beginning of the story you know it kind of is i wouldn't say slow but it's in the process of, you know, like, introducing Eddie, then it's gonna, like, slowly each time introduce other people that will join her group, kind of like in, you know, traditional magical girl anime, where they'll be like, oh, here's the main character, the next Mm -hmm. one's her friend that's gonna join, the next one's another girl that's gonna join, and so on. Yeah, yeah, the pacing's a little different, but I think it works, so, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I it it might be annoying for some people, but I kind of like writing the characters. So mm-hmm. even if I do introduce someone, I kind of want them to like, you know, get their time to shine mm. and slowly like, you know, work into the other one and get them to have their time to shine Yeah. rather than just like, oh, there's this one next episode. Let's forget about that one. <laughs> Show a new character. <laughs> When you have a series like this, or there are a lot of characters, it can get very confusing. So I think it's really important to kind of establish each one over time. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about, um, I just finished recently watching Assault Lily. I don't know if you know Assault Lily uh, Bouquet. It's like a battle heroine series, but it's a little it's a little different. Like it's kind of magical girls and that the, each girl mm-hmm. has a, a unique power, but they also use like super powered mecha swords to fight aliens. And oh. it's also got a lot of uh, subtext that's really great. <laughs> it's yeah a lot of very queer coded characters, but it's a series where um, I think because it's based on a game, there are a ton of girls in the series so that up mm. to the very last episode, Every time they put a girl on the screen the first time, they always reintroduce their name on the screen. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was such an interesting aspect of it where you couldn't trust the audience to know who all the characters are (laughs) by the last episode of the series. So, yeah, very interesting to see because there really were a lot of girls. That's kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's like one uh, male character in the entire series like runs the school where the girls go and even for him they do the same thing and it's like you don't trust us to remember the name of the only guy in the show but okay (laughs) that's so funny yeah so like in terms of like pacing and stuff I think it is very important and I think that you do put in the time to like make everyone very uh unique from each other and um see like so we can actually get to know everyone a little bit um, before we move mm-hmm. on uh, one thing I also wanted to shout out that I really appreciate about the series is that there's like a running thing where Eddie is a fan of Milky Mari <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah you know it kind of started off as a joke with Milky Mari mm-hmm. 
she was supposed to just kind of be like you know a knockoff creamy mommy right but surprisingly people on instagram really liked her Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i was kind of like maybe i can sort of add this in as you know just this anime character that she really likes called milky mari and it's kind of that world's creamy mommy basically yeah exactly yeah like (laughs) and it's just so funny because like junko just can't stand her yeah yeah (laughs) she's always like getting jealous of her that it's like oh my god she has eddie's attention like i want her attention instead (laughs) yeah it's kind of funny because i mean that's another thing that happens a lot in a lot of series where you have like these kind of analogs to existing works but most of the time i would say the vast majority of the time it's usually a reference to sailor moon maybe precure in in more uh, recent years but that being a reference to creamy mommy was very it's a very interesting choice to me because it's a little bit of an older series but yeah it's very fun to have a little tidbit i guess yeah i always notice that a lot of people do use sailor moon or precure but Creamy Mommy kind of became one of my favorite magical girls, so I was like, hmm, I feel like Eri would, you know, like her, so. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I would just kind of make this knockoff version of her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's fun to think about in your universe, like, what magical girl shows your characters would like. Right. I know I did a Q&A recent, or not recently, but like some time back, mm-hmm. people were asking like, you know, what's your favorite anime to uh, some of the characters? So I kind of had to use like actual names because, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, oh, I can't just say like some kind of knockoff kind of name because they're asking what would that be like their real favorite anime. <laughs> right, right. But in world it would just probably be some strange different name instead of whatever they said in the q a probably <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense yeah that q a was very fun and i think that was also great for the fans of the series to directly learn more information that they want to know about the characters that they might not necessarily get right away in the actual storyline mm-hmm. and it kind of reminds me of like when you are getting a print version of a comic that was originally published in a magazine, they have to like fill in a lot of stuff on the margins Mm -hmm. and they often will insert like little bits of information and so on in there, like random facts and so on that would never appear in the story itself. It was so fun working on that Q&A. Yeah, it was funny. And we haven't talked about um, Bio, the little fiery spirits that seems to be hanging out inside Eddie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rio is kind of just... They're definitely an important character. And this isn't spoilery or anything. They will definitely be important to the plot. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping it'll just be like, not a shock, but like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that. Yeah, surprise. everything gets to that point. (laughs) Yeah, a big surprise. (laughs) For sure, I definitely was thinking, okay, who is this thing? And (laughs) I guess spirit or soul would be the right way to, like, describe them. But, like, it's, you know, clearly, like, something's going on here. This is not just, like, a voice in her head. So what's going on? Mm Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know there's going to be a plot thing in the future related to answering that question, but you never know when it's going to actually come out. So it's very, uh, it's always very exciting to look forward to that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I try to put like little hints when they're talking about their memories that they say something just weird or they're like, oh yeah, I remember it being like this. And then Eddie's like, that's not how things are though. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Leo's just like, but that's how it was when I was alive. And it's like, hmm. Hmm. They're just like small hints I try to put in there. Right, right. Very interesting, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Generally, I love all the characters so far. Uh, I could probably try to just talk about them each all day, but that would take forever. (laughs) Right. I definitely think that, you know, people will really enjoy this comic a lot. 
if they go to check it out. So I believe we are ready to ask the final question. So <laughs> Kaguna, if you could be a magical person, what would your persona be like? Oh, wow. Uh, I actually did something on Instagram once where my friend made this little kind of like a template that was like, if you were a magical girl, what would your like name be? What would your little mascot and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. And I came up with just some random star themed character. But when I mm-hmm. thought about it, I was kind of like, wow, this just looks more like a separate OC, not someone that I would actually be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, it's so hard to really think of what I would actually want my like persona to be. Mm. I think every character I have though does kind of have a part of me in them. So mm. I would kind of say not that I'd want to be her, but I think the one I would relate to the most that maybe fits me most is Eddie. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I wouldn't say she's based on me like at all, but I think she's the most relatable and probably someone I would be if I could be a magical girl, even though she's not really a persona or anything. <laughs> hmm, that makes sense. Yeah, that like you would relate to her the most as she's the main mm-hmm. character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and would you want to have like the same powers that she does? Because hers are water-based. Uh, yeah, I would think it would be kind of cool to just like shoot water from the water guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it's all very interesting. And Kagura, thank you again for talking to me today about Star Rangers. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I definitely wanted to get you on as soon as I started reading it. I think especially like considering the tradition of magical girls in the past 10 to 20 years in Japan, like it's a really great little story, but also of course has a lot of diversity and yeah, it's just super fun to read. And I can tell that things are going in an interesting direction. So yeah, I think everyone should check it out. And um if people want to support you or your work, where can they find you online? Uh, they can find me on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram under just Kagura's art. And on Webtoons, you could just find it under Star Rangers. Great. All those links will be in the show notes of the episode of this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for talking to me today. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. I guess a good night. <laughs> it's night over there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, though, again for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like it, and don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparklesideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E. K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at sparklesidechats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you want covered or a fan or creator you want to hear from. Show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. You can also join the Discord for this podcast and talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. Just contact me for an invite link anytime, or, if you're shy, you can get a public invite every week after the latest episode is released. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash With Ko-fi membership tiers, you can get bonus content, announcements about episode topics, and your name read aloud on the podcast. Original podcast music is by Hazel. 
You can find her on Twitter at TwinkleParks. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are magical. Sorry, hold on, the school bell's going. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can hear it, but I I could kind of hear it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's loud enough I can hear it through my headphones. So, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I can hear it now. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's the school bell. Like everyone who has ever watched anything from Japan knows that sound because it hasn't changed. In, <laughs> I don't know how many years, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's funny when I watch like um when I watch like magical girls from like the 60s or 70s it's like oh it's the same school bell why is how is that the thing? It's like that why is it like who decided that <laughs> it's just the same since the dawn of time yep <laughs>